Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Professor Burgess, along with my colleague, uh, Professor Bussey, as we continue to hand out degrees in common sense. Of course, that now a superpower. And uh, we try to take you on a lot of journeys here on the podcast. This is a unique podcast every week. Uh, if you're not aware of The Daily Show, you can go to rickandbubba.com, find out all the information about that. And, and today, uh, we are talking with Mitch Album. His his latest book, uh, The Little Liar, is out. He's on a book tour, uh, and uh, and he joins us now. Mitch, welcome to your debut on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be back in school. Uh, well, let me tell you this, Mitch. Uh, you can go ahead and mark this off the bucket list. Done. Done. Uh, hey, hey, let me let me tell you an interesting story, and we'll jump in. Obviously, the new book. So you know how you know this in in the, the business. You're you're in it. You're still doing a, a daily uh, show, and you. I, I was introduced to you on 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 the sports uh, reporters when that name of the show that was on ESPN yeah. and yeah. and and all these sports journalists y'all would sit around it really was great television and in depth uh, breaking down of the big sports stories and you know how odd it is it's all where you find out about somebody so i have a very special story connected to you and right now unfortunately uh, my dad is in memory care he has alzheimers and he he loved to read and he was incredibly moved, as so many people were, uh, by the book Tuesdays with Maury. And I'll never forget him. I came in, he was talking to me about it and how much it meant to him and how much it moved him. And I was like, well, who, who wrote it? And he said, Mitch Album. I'm like, the guy on ESPN? And, <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, Dad, that's, I don't think that can't be the same guy. And he's like, yeah, it's the same guy. I, and, of course, goofy me, I didn't realize that you were you know, a renowned uh, writer uh, and of course, you know, uh, that's, that's the thing about TV. I'm like, no, that's the, that's the sports reporter guy. Uh, but I just want to thank you, uh, because it's one of the memories, uh, that I have with my dad when he, you know, had his faculties and, uh, had a grasp on his cognitive uh, skills. And, and, and that book was one of the things that we read together. And it's one of the connections that he and I had. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, that, that means a lot to me. Thank you. And don't feel bad. You're not the first or even the hundredth person to tell me that I had no idea that you had any talent. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I, I often, uh, I often say that, you know, because I had the whole sports writing part of my life and I have this whole book thing that, you know, I frequently will get like, um, a man will come up to me and say, you Mitch album. I say, yeah, he goes, my wife loves your books. He doesn't, <laughs> you know, or, or a woman will come up and say, "Are you Mitch Album?" She says, "My my husband watches you on that TV show all the time." But so so I, I I don't assume anything if somebody knows me for whatever it is. I just I always wait and see where we're going with it. So uh, you know I'm glad that in your case it was in in two different areas. Um, and you know people do have more than one thing that they can do in their lives. I'm glad I've had a chance to. Uh, get to explore more than one. Mitch, you, you do a lot of stuff. I mean, you, you, you radio, TV, journalist, screenwriter, playwright. Um, and the one I'm really interested in is this dessert shop that you run. Uh, what, uh, you got some good stuff there? You, uh, so it, uh, charity is actually at this stage of my life. It dominates my time. I've, I've reached a point where I have everything that I need and, and I, I am a person who believes that if you reach that stage in life, you have an obligation to help other people who don't. So uh, I run a bunch of charities here in Detroit and an orphanage in, in Haiti. 
and the charities here in Detroit, um, we got to the point where they grew and they grew and they grew. And I was kind of running out of people to ask to help give money. They would see me come and they'd run the other way, you know? (laughs) So uh, I said to a friend of mine, can't we like make something and just sell it and then just take the profits and put it towards charity? And I had grown up in the South Jersey area um, and there's something in South Jersey, Philadelphia area called water ice, which I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's sort of like an Italian ice, but it's, but it's crushed. It doesn't like, you can't suck the, the juice out of it and be mm-hmm. left with a bunch of ice. It's, it's all the way through oh, and it's wow. really, really frozen into, into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so we went back to the neighborhood where we grew up in, in South Jersey and we went to the little mom and pop shop that, um, had what we thought was the best water ice ever. And we walked in, it was literally the mom and the pop. And, and I said to the woman, introduced myself and I said, um, have you ever thought about doing anything for charity? And she said, well, it's so funny that you say that because I was in church just this past weekend and I was asking Jesus, you know, like, send me a sign, you know, like, like I want to do something significant with my life. And I said, well, Jesus sent me. <laughs> and uh, they ended up uh, coming to Detroit and teaching us all the ins and outs of how you make this stuff. And we opened a shop in downtown Detroit about eight or nine years ago now uh, called the Detroit Water Ice Factory. And we sell all these different water ices plus soft serve ice cream, gourmet popcorn. We ended up opening a second store with gourmet popcorn. And we just take all the profits and we give them to charity. But you, you wouldn't know from walking in. It's not like it doesn't look like a thrift shop. It's 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 bright and, you know, sexy and all the, you know, yeah. foodies love to come in and, and get it. It's just that we just give all the profits away. And yeah, it's I'm- actually... I'm Pretty just impressed you can make a profit nowadays. Oh, yeah. It's getting tough out there, isn't it? <laughs> you have to sell a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mitch, when I hear all this is going on, I mean, obviously you've done a lot, but currently you're obviously still writing because we have a new book we're going to talk about today. You, you're still hosting on WJR the uh, the 4 to 6 p.m. slot, Monday through Friday, and you're obviously running this for-profit business are those the main three? Are you still dabbling in anything else? I mean, it seems like these one of these would be an entire day for anyone. Um, to be honest, the thing that takes up most of my time uh, wasn't one that you mentioned, but I, I have this orphanage in Haiti oh, yeah. that I, I go to every month. And uh, we have 65 kids there currently. Uh, we have 12 kids up here in Michigan who are in universities. We have one in medical school. And it's like being a parent to 78 kids, you know, uh, and and that anyone who's a parent to one kid knows what that is. And so uh, that's pretty much a full time thing. And I love it. I mean, I'm very proud to be associated with the orphanage and and our kids come from the absolute most abject poverty that you could imagine. I mean, I don't mean American poverty. I mean, like living in a hole in the ground poverty with no water and no food and and they end up at universities, uh, you know, and Praise so God. that dominates most of my time, to be honest with you. Well, uh, as James said, that that is one of the things he listed as a pure religion is taking care of orphans and widows. So uh, that that calls pretty straightforward and you're answering it and you and there's no greater feeling than to be part of something that matters. Uh, so uh, so so great. And it, it does remind you how blessed we are here, even yep. on our worst days, because when you go abroad, some of these places, you see what real poverty is. That's true. Hundred percent, yeah, and uh, I don't. Uh, the 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 day I do the least amount of complaining in my life is always the day I come back from Haiti, uh, because you know the, you, we just have nothing to complain about, and so uh, uh, yeah, that's that's that pretty much 
takes up a lot of my time, but I do do all the other things. And, and many of them, honestly, I do to support the orphanage, you know, because a lot of my money goes into it. Um, but that's okay. You know, I, this is a life I've chosen and I'm, I'm good with it. Well, you know, I, I do think about the show, the, the sports reporters and, and I, and I miss it because, you know, so much of journalism and I use that term extremely loosely, um, mm. it seems to be gone. And, and, the, and now it's just turned into, I mean, I hate to be that crotchety old man back in the day when sports reporters was on, that was real journalism. But, but I mean, I, I do miss hearing people that are well-informed and are actually, you know, writing about researching, interviewing, and, and having a lot of knowledge about what's going on as opposed to what can I do today that will end up on TikTok? Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or uh, clickbait. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I miss that. I think, I think that that show was, was something that we just don't have anymore. And, and it may be, a, we, it's a bygone we, era. Maybe. I don't know. It is, it is. And you hit on it. And we, you know, we were lucky enough to have existed in a time where there wasn't social media. So we weren't trying to get clicks and where they didn't take sound bites from our show and blast them all over the place so that everybody was competing to make the most outrageous statement uh, today. And also, the sports reporters, everybody was a working journalist. Right. Everybody on that was worked for a newspaper mm -hmm. or a magazine or something. And so the sports reporters was just something that they did on Sunday mornings, but it wasn't like they shouldn't live to be on television. And so we were in the locker rooms and we were and we brought all that stuff with us to Sunday mornings, we also always wore suits and ties. You know, that was mandatory. And the producer of the program, Joe Valeria, would always would, would keep us if we ever got too heated. You know, he would say that that's that's unseemly. You know, that's we're not here to insult each other, you know, make your point. But don't. and we would maybe go back and retake that, you know, uh, if it came out really badly. Whereas today, that would be this thing that they would push out front and say, uh -huh. you know, look how angry Mitch got. Look how angry Mike <laughs> Lupica got, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, you end up we're all a little bit like mice to the sugar. You know, you go where you get the most attention and where your bosses tell you you're doing a good job because you're getting a lot of clicks. And that's why we end up with a, a form of journalism that is mostly about being loud, but not necessarily about being accurate or even, you know, um, fair. Uh, and I lament that like you do. We'll come back. We're going to jump into Mitch's new book, The Little Liar, when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So let's talk about some some people, maybe, I'm talking about right now, listening to this podcast on, on Raycon earbuds. Uh, and I know a lot of you are thinking, look, I don't want to put that pressure on you. I, I, I don't like when people pressure me on the holidays too early. But here comes Thanksgiving, and then after Thanksgiving, the biggest shopping day of the year. Uh, it's never too late to go ahead and get some of this done, and you can save a lot of money and get a high-quality gift by shopping Raycon products right now, and you can save up to 50%. There, there's select items that are 50% off right now. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the early Black Friday sale is going on right now. We love the Raycon products. Uh, of course, the Everyday Earbuds, the most popular, delivering high-quality, thoughtful features. That 32-hour battery life we love. The perfect inner fit. I, I, I struggle with, with earbuds before Raycon came with that custom. Uh, you know, you can take the, the, the fit in your ear, and it fits 
the way you want to. It's got the gel tips that you can design for the way your ear canal is shaped. And so, um, and now the five star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to change uh, the iOS, the micro USB, the Type C devices eight times faster. Uh, with the 100-watt power delivery, which I, this is brand new. So if you'd like to get 20% off anything on the site and then 50% up and everything in between on select products, uh, beat the crowds now. Go to buyraycon.com slash rickbubbapod. That's slash rickbubbapod. Get 20% to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash rickbubbapod. Save up to 50% off all Raycon products. Uh, by Raycon.com slash Rick Bubba Pod. Mitch Album is our guest uh, on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So, Mitch, The Little Liar, your brand new book, you took on something very lighthearted, uh, and that is the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, jumped you know, right in. You, I mean, jumped right in. Uh, what, a, what a powerful story. You know, it's one thing, and we, I won't give away the whole book, but it's one thing to tell a lie when you know you're telling a lie, uh, but how riveting for you to be part of something that you didn't think was a lie, and, and that's kind of the foundation of the story. Tell us about it and what drew you to this and where it came from. So I've been meaning to write this book for over 10 years uh, when I first heard the story of the fact that during Nazi Germany, the Nazis would often use Jewish people on the train tracks where they were taking the other Jews to go to concentration camps to kill them. They would use Jewish people to tell the passengers that everything's going to be fine. You're going to new jobs. You're going to new homes. You know, there's going to be money waiting for you there and to lie to them, to get them to enter these trains, which were obviously taking them to their death. And I just thought that kind of perversion of the truth to use your own people against you is, is, is a different level of cruelty. And what would that do to the person who had to tell that lie? So I created a story about a little boy uh, who's never told a lie in his life. He's 11 years old. It takes place in Greece, which a lot of people don't even realize was part of the Nazi domination, but it was. And he is kidnapped by the Nazis when they come in and they find out about his reputation for never telling a lie. And they trick him into telling all the people from his village that it's okay, there are going to be jobs, there's going to be money waiting for you, there's going to be homes. And he believes that it's the truth. And they say, if you do this, then you can go back to your family and everything will be fine. And it's only when the last train is being loaded that he sees his own family is being put on the train. And he finds out what he did and someone says, they're taking us to die. And before he can get to his family, the Nazis pull him away and the train takes off and they're all gone. And he's left with, at 11 years old, realizing, you know, he just told his first lie and, and it had these dire consequences. And it follows him for the rest of his life um, as he tries to deal with that and what he does when he's younger, you know, during the war, he tries to, he becomes a, a liar. He becomes like a, a, a pathological liar because he can't tell the truth anymore. And these lies enable him to accomplish incredible things in his life. He ends up getting back into the concentration camp at the end of the war to try to find his family. He ends up becoming rich and, and reclusive uh, in America as, as like a as a movie producer, you know, who somebody never sees because, you know, talk about deception. That's what movies are. You know, everything's right. phony. And so and it, and it follows his family and a woman who, who a little girl who loved him as a girl. And then as a woman thinks that, you know, still doesn't believe that he knew what he was doing when he was lying and her efforts to try to find him over the years to try to get him to, you know, forgive what he did. So 
it, it, you know, the big theme is what happens when we lose the truth in the world. And uh, that's certainly what happened during 1938 to 1945, you know, when people were being fed lie after lie after lie and how dangerous that is and the repercussions that it has and how love is the only thing in the end that forgives us from the lies that we tell. You know, and, and the takeaway in there, too, is, uh, as you said, the, the, the running theme is, you know, so many times we think about how did something atrocious like this ever take place? How, how did this happen? And, and you point out very clearly, well, in order for something like this to take place, you lie to people. Uh, right. you, you don't tell the truth. Uh, because if you if you told the truth, you would never pull it off. Uh, right. So so you, you, and it and it shows how how easily people can be deceived if you have no. Now this this child does it not knowing, but the Nazis, they were lying. They knew where they were lying, and if you take that attitude, lies unfortunately can be used to manipulate people quite well. They used to actually tell some of these poor Jewish people who were rounded up in these ghettos and were getting on these trains, "Give us your money." And here's a receipt. And when you get to the other side, uh, there'll be Polish money that we'll give you. I mean, they literally, you know, we're, we're, we're doing that. Or mm-hmm. they, t- they took luggage receipts and said, give us your bags and you can pick them up at the other end. I mean, that to me, those kind of little lies are worse than the, even the big ones, because you have to have a really evil mind to think down to that kind of level. You know, and you know, it's worth noting as you pointed out, you know, most people know it's wrong to kill people. Most people know it's wrong to persecute people. So the people who want to do that, they don't come out and say, <laughs> okay, let's pass a law that says let's kill people and let's persecute people. They couch it. So the law that actually allowed Hitler during those years to persecute Jews, to take their homes, to take their businesses, to herd them into ghettos, to keep them from riding buses or going to school, all those things were legal under a law that was passed that the name of the law was the law to relieve the distress of the German people. There you go. That's what they called it. It wasn't called the law to kill Jewish people. Right. Because who would vote for a law like that? But who wouldn't vote for a law, the law to relieve the distress of the German people from World War One. So words matter and the way that people manipulate the matter. And I fear that we live in a world today where people are choosing their own truths as well. You know, we all pick the cable news channel that we're going to watch, and we watch that one. We don't watch the other ones. And we have one view of the world, and there's another view of the world. Or you see what's going on in the Middle East where, you know, a bomb drops and, 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 and they go like this, you yeah. know. <laughs> they did it. They did it. And, and, uh, and, and so there is only one truth. And there can't be 16 different versions of it. And if you live in a world where there are, then bad things are going to happen. So I wanted, while I know this is set during the Holocaust, it's not really a Holocaust book per se. It doesn't all take place in concentration camps or anything. It's like I said, it follows 40, 50 years of a guy's life. But um, it certainly has reverberations for what's going on in the world today. Mitch, what what gave you the idea to kind of go with this? Was it anything in the modern culture or is this something that you wanted to write about for a long time? What kind of drove you in this direction? Well, there were two reasons. Um, One, I grew up in a neighborhood that had some Jewish people living in it. And there was an older couple that always would wear long sleeves, even in the summertime. And I remembered as a kid asking my mother, why are they wearing sweaters? It's so hot outside, you know, and they have all these long sleeves. And my mom said, well, they have these numbers tattooed uh, on their on their wrists and they don't want people to see it. And Mm -hmm. 
that was my first introduction to what had happened and how people didn't want to talk about it. And I felt that we've reached a point where when I did the research for the book and I went around to try to interview survivors, there are very, very few left. And those that are left are in their 90s and very frail. And pretty soon there's not going to be anybody left. And I thought that if you are moved by what took place there, as I have been in my life, and if you knew people like I have, I even have people in my family who, who you know, extended family who were killed in the, in the uh, Holocaust and in concentration camps, then you have an obligation to, if you have creative ability, like I've been blessed to, to be given, uh, you have an obligation to tell at least one story in your life that can go on, that can kind of remind people not to forget about what happened there. And so that's why I was so uh, so hell bent on it being. Excuse me with that. I think you're getting that's a call why, there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I was so hell bent on it being historically accurate. Yeah, right. I want, you know, and everything that takes place in the book, except the characters, is is historically accurate. And um, so I thought that that was important um, to tell it. And also, I had heard you said, "Where did it start from?" I heard this is a true, like I said at the beginning, this actually happened. I I, I was in a museum. 10 years ago and heard this woman on a video, a survivor recounting how we got to the platforms and there were Jewish people and they said, it's okay, get on the train. So we got on because we believed them. Right. And, and I just thought, you know, this is a story that I've never heard told before. And I, I wanted, I wanted it to come to light. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with Mitch album on this edition of Rick and Bubba university, the podcast. So, Bubba, let's talk about Patriot Mobile. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that um, uh, sometimes people will go out and say they're all about choice, and then you realize pretty quick, as long as it's a choice they're okay with. Uh, and that's not really allowing people to make a choice. And sometimes people say, I don't particularly want to be giving money uh, to organizations that I, I just happen to morally disagree with them or we have a different worldview. Uh, and, and, you know, and when it comes to your wireless service, a lot of times you think, well, I, I don't have anywhere to go unless I share the view of all the big companies right now. Well, Patriot Mobile wants you to know that they're uh, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, uh, and they are the only one. And uh, they're great supporters of what we do here, uh, and we thank them for that. But uh, they offer dependable nationwide coverage. So I'm not saying, and Bubba's not saying, hey, go with them, but it's not as good as everybody else, but that's where you should be anyway. No, same tower. Right? No, yeah. It's, they have to be, they have to earn your, your, uh, your, you know, your loyalty by their merit, not just sharing the same worldview. And Bubba just said it. They, they have the same access as all the major networks have, uh, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding maybe things you don't agree with, maybe things you don't want your money going to. Uh, it's a 100% U.S.-based customer service team. Switching is easy. You can keep your number if you want to. Your phone, fine. You can upgrade if you want to. It's all up to you. Uh, they'll help you find the best plan for your needs, and you can go to patriotmobile.com right now slash rickbubba for free activation, or you can call 972-PATRIOT. Remember to mention the code RICKBUBBA for free activation, and uh, make the switch to Patriot Mobile today. So Mitch Album is our guest on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Mitch, one of the things that uh, we're talking about his new book, Little The Little Liar, uh, it's available wherever you get books. He's also on a tour. If you want to find out about that, go to his website, mitchalbum.com, uh, and uh, take a chance to go out and see Mitch in person. Um, but the, the one thing that, that I was thinking about with The Little Liar, 
we've made it very clear that, you know, the way you get people to do things that they would never do if you told them the truth is just to lie to them. Uh, the manipulation that went on, the horror uh, of this character that, that thought they were telling the truth when they found out later they were telling a lie. And one of the things that, that struck me, because I, I remember going through this in my own life, is when the character realizes that he has lied, it's almost like he begins to think it's unredeemable. Um, and, and he just goes on and becomes this pathological liar at this point, as if what he's done was so bad, there's no redeeming hope for him. So he just becomes a serve self person because he thinks there's nothing beyond this for him because instead of correcting it and saying, oh, wow, now I know I lied. Uh, instead of saying, let me turn and beg for redemption or forgiveness for what I did, I didn't know. He feels like that he now is unredeemable. That's right. Well, that's right. And it's a really good point. And you stated it very well. And it was a it's a big part of the book. You know, I always try to write books that, you know, from Tuesdays with Maury to the five people you meet in heaven to sure. other ones, fiction or nonfiction, that I try to write books that people can use in their own life, that right. there's some lesson or some theme that when it's over with you know, I didn't just tell a story that, oh, those were interesting characters or interesting plot, but that there's something that resonates. And and for this one, it is exactly what you just said. I ask readers to ask themselves, what's the biggest lie you ever told in your life? And what would you do if you could take it back? You know, how far would you go to be forgiven? Maybe it was a lie that ruined your marriage. Maybe it was a lie that, that took apart your business. Maybe it was a lie that broke a friendship, you know. Um, or maybe it's a, a lie that you're still living with that, that you're guilty about that nobody knows, you know, that you're, you're hiding because we all lie. We lie dozens of times a day. And, and so you're right. Sometimes we feel that, uh, well, I've already told one lie, you know, it, I'll never be pure again. So I might as well tell another one. I might as well tell another mm -hmm. one. This is, this is kind of becomes the basis of being a pathological liar. What cures that? What cures that? The only thing that cures that is forgiveness by other people and and seeking redemption by by asking for that forgiveness and owning up to it. And the little liar is basically, you know, the lie happens in the first 30, 50 pages of the book. And the whole rest of the book is him seeking that redemption, not knowing deep down that that's what he wants until someone who loves him finally finds him in this hidden life that he has, has made for himself and says to him, you know, I know who you are. I know you're not this person. I know what you did. And, and I forgive you, you know, I know you, you I know you didn't mean it, right. you know, but it takes a lifetime and a whole book, you know, to kind of get to that. And that's what we're all seeking. You know, if you think of the person that you lied to, um, in your life, that biggest lie, if they were to come to you and say, I know it, I know it was a lie and I forgive you, you know, you're not a bad person. You just made a mistake. Um, how much better would we feel, you know, if we got that in our lives? And I think that that's something that everybody can relate to. You know, the irony of that is once you, you get into this and you think you have to keep lying, that is the big lie <laughs> yeah. that you, that you can't make a change. You're right. Uh, and everybody can change. Everybody can change. It, it, can change until the very end. I also think that there's, there's, you know, hope is a big part of all the books that I write and, People might be wondering, well, how the hell could you have any hope in a book that, you know, deals with the Holocaust? Right. There's a moment, even during the Holocaust, even in the concentration camps, and I found this 
from research that this is, you know, while I created the moment, there were moments like this where the grandfather character with the family all goes to the Auschwitz and every day at the end of the terrible day that they had at the concentration camp where they were tortured and they were beaten and they were starved. He gathers everybody together in the bunk and they put somebody outside who coughs so that the Nazi guards can't hear that they're talking. And he makes them say a prayer of gratefulness, you know, thankfulness to God for what they have. And then he goes around the beds and says, everybody has to say one good thing that happened today. And in some cases, the good thing is I had an extra spoonful of soup or the rotted tooth that I had fell out of my mouth or I saw a bird today, you know, and it made me happy for a second. And you realize, you know, that even under these the worst possible imaginable conditions, the human the human psyche seeks hope. It seeks to see a bird, you know, and and uh, and that's the best part of what we have within us. Uh, and that is ultimately what does forgive you of, of uh, you know, yourself of all the horrors that you've gone through and, and, and provide you reason to go on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would anybody of them? I mean, if you're a prisoner in a concentration camp, you pretty much reach the point where you can say, I think I'm I think I'm on the lowest rung here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so I want to check out. But we don't. Why didn't they check out? You know, why didn't they just kill themselves or just starve themselves to death? Because there was some little modicum of hope that said somewhere through this terrible darkness, there's something, some, some, you know, that old expression, you, you know, there's darkness, but there's a crack, you know, cracks are how we see the light that comes through the darkness, you know, like a, through a door or underneath a door. When it's the darkest, that's when that light is the brightest, right? Even if it's small. And, um, you know, I think that's how people got through this terrible time. I think that's how we all get through our own lives. No doubt. It, 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 that reminded me when the, you were talking about just to tell us something good in the worst situation. It really, it really resonated because um, my wife, who, who is a writer too, and and uh, she she wrote a book about the earthly death of our youngest son. And, and unfortunately, we went through a, a, a tragedy where one of our children died at two and a half years old. And she was talking about being in that place, thinking kind of like what you were talking about about where do we go from here? You know, when, when is it possible to now stay here on this earth and ever experience, you know, something joyful again? Um, you know, and she, she literally talked about this in the book and, and you, you use the same analogy here and you just, you just communicate that so well. And it reminded me, she said, one of the days I knew that I, that there still was life to be lived beyond this is I went and got a piece of chocolate. Hmm. And she said, that was the first thing I'd done since his earthly death that I just did for myself because I just wanted some chocolate. And she said it was so simple because I almost thought that how dare me go eat a piece of chocolate, you know, and, 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 but that'll almost show disrespect, you know? And she said, I realized that I was still able to mourn, but eating that piece of chocolate made me realize as simple as that was, that I felt the presence of God, that there was still hope and I was going to continue to move on. And then the next yeah. thing she remembered was the first time she laughed. I took her to see a comedian who was very funny. And she, you know, she, she said, I remember the first time I laughed and I thought, you know, so you're right. It, it, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, gigantic. It's, it's the little things that you go, 
we, we, we're yearning for that because we don't want to ever get to the place. And I, I beg and I hope anybody watching this, listening to this, that you would, you would read this book. I hope you're getting what we're talking about. There is always hope. Uh, right. I mean, and, and, and it, sometimes it may be something just as simple as that. And, and boy, that's so eloquent what you just said. And uh, first of all, I'm so, so sorry to hear that you went through that. I lost a child at seven. Mm, and, so uh, sorry. And, and I, I, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, there's that moment where you, you have to come to uh, a philosophy or you just can't get up in the morning. Right. And, and our philosophy was that we didn't lose a child. We were given one. That's right. And, and if you, if you look at it that way, then, and if you find a way to be grateful for even the worst thing that happened. So some of those prisoners in the concentration camp, if they could say, well, it made me appreciate every morsel of food that I'm going to eat for the rest of my life. I'm grateful for that. Or as they did at the end of every day, tell one thing that you are, you know, happy about. That's what drives you forward. And, and, and you realize there's no guilt in that. Um, there's no guilt in, 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 you shouldn't have guilt. The life is full. Like, you know, there's an old expression that I love the whole only whole heart is a broken heart. You know, you can't, you can't use this thing to its fullest unless it has cracks in it, you know? Uh, and, and, and those cracks are, are the heartbreaks, you know, and the light that comes through the cracks is the joy and it's all part of the same heart. So, you know, the little liar contains a lot of that. Our lives contain a lot of that. And, um, you know, that's why I, I, I hope I hope I don't scare anybody away by saying, you know, the book has a backdrop of the Holocaust, because, um, you know, sometimes from that darkest place, just like with your child or mine, you know, comes the purest form of positivity. Amen. And, and, and I, I certainly you go through that kind of stuff. I know your your family has the same thing. We we, we never have sweated the little things since. You know, we, yep. we know what a big deal is and, and, and some things are just not a big deal. Hey, Mitch, I know you got to go catch a plane. Thank you for taking time to be with us. We're going to continue the podcast. Uh, we do have a little bit of time left, but Mitch needs to go. The book is The Little Liar. His, uh, his website, of course, is MitchAlbum.com. If you want to go see him on the tour, it's available everywhere. And Mitch, uh, we are grateful that you took time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. It was really nice talking with you. Our pleasure. We'll be back. Uh, more of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, right after this. So, Bubba, let's talk about Tommy Johns. You know, when you think about uh, two fellows wearing comfortable underwear, you may not want to think about us, but uh, but you know what? We do. Uh, we, we Don't make me model. I will. Right, because let me tell you, if you're watching this podcast, you don't want us to do that. Uh, but why don't you find out for yourself? And boy, you talk about a great gift too with the, the gift season coming up. Tommy John, all of their products are phenomenal, and they have them for men and women. Twenty million pairs of underwear sold, thousands of five star reviews, uh, and it's a tradition this time of year to give the gift of Tommy John. Did you know that ninety seven percent of women and men love getting the gift of Tommy John? So uh, I wonder who that 3%, who's the 3% that say they don't want Tommy John? Uh, who who uh, are these people? Right, but anyway. And are they comfortable? Right, you can save uh, 25% site-wide right now. 
uh, by going to TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. 25% off everything for a limited time. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba, and you might as well give the gift of softness this season to everyone, but including yourself. With Tommy John underwear, the most comfortable pair you've ever worn, loungewear, and pajamas. Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics and you got a couple of them talking to you right now. Uh, so why don't you go right now, save 25% site-wide at tommyjohn.com slash Rick Bubba. Back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, our guest was Mitch Album. Uh, Mitch, uh, what, I, I, Bubba, there we go again. Did you feel it? Did you think we connected with me? Well, I, I've learned not to feel too close to the people we interview because you know it always leads to heartache well he has so many different interviews and he did so many before us and i know he'll never remember us but in a moment there you know mitch is like i mean he's a big deal i mean he knows oprah you know i mean mean, when you know when you know know oprah uh and uh and this new book is fantastic if you've never read some of his others i mean he has some some great ones, and um, I, I have not read the other ones. But yep. I was looking over some of the titles as we were getting ready for this, and uh, reading a little bit about the five people you meet in heaven. It's I, interesting. I, I thought that was interesting. Interesting, you said that. I kid you not. I was just about to say, if I were to pick one for you, I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, I, 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 I think I think that's a great one. And if it had more pictures, I'd probably well, do it. I know. And, and you know what? Can I tell you what you like about Mitch's book? Not his, his books aren't that long. They really <laughs> are. They're not. They're not that long. And you know, he was he was talking about. You know, in in this in this new book, uh, the little liar, and we and we talked about this about a redemption, and you know, none of us are beyond redemption, and you know, sometimes when you do things wrong, like you tell a lie or something, you think, well, I'm unredeemable. But the other side of that is, and he and he mentioned that, and I know we've said it on on the big show a few times that you know the Man, the Mandela quote that said, you know, if you if you're choosing, you know, to not forgive someone, because sometimes people can never really find redemption because they can never get the person to forgive them or persons that they so hope they can be forgiven. And you may be, be thinking, well, what they did to me and what they said to me and the lie they told me, say, say it's a lie or whatever it is. Well, it's unforgivable. And, and that, and you know, I understand that. And and it doesn't mean when we forgive someone that what they did was okay. Right. You know, you and I have tried to communicate that on the big show. I think sometimes people think, well, if I forgive them, Rick and Bubba, that means that what they did is okay. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Uh, it just means that and you, you don't have to forget. No, either. don't you, put yourself in uh, a position to be uh, hurt by sure. a lie again. Well, right? I, I know that you and I have been through situations where you know we we've had to be forgiven and forgive, yep, and and, yep. and and when we were in positions of forgiving, sometimes what took place was totally forgiven, never hold it against you again. I'm not going. I'm not bitter about it. I'm fine, but our relationship was forever changed, and that's all right. You know, because you as, have to be in a more defensive yeah. position at yeah. that point, but it doesn't mean that right. you have to live with the angst of it and having it eat you up yeah. from now on and all that. You're not. You may forgive the person in business that yep. took money from you, but it doesn't mean you have to stay in business with them or, or be in business with them again. Or be, yeah, be yeah. in business with them again. And 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 Mandela said that to to be unforgiving, you always think that it, this bitterness is hurting the other person. And he said, you know, refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and thinking the person you won't forgive is going to die. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it ultimately, <laughs> if you can't do it for them, you should do it for yourself. Right. right. You know, that's and, and, and that's, that's one of those things. Cause I, I know it, it's, it's difficult when you find yourself in that position, but sometimes you're thinking the other person 
is waiting on that forgiveness. But I would go as far as to say sometimes you're going to benefit if you forgive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's, you know, the Bible tells us yeah, that. Does. So, yeah. uh, you know, and and we were talking about this book and it, you know, it's, it's, it kind of has a heavy it does. topic to it. And uh, it, it was good, but I, I really wanted to ask Mitch some other things about uh, the radio show. Now, is he still doing that every doing day? It, yeah, every yeah, day, still doing it. Yeah. Is it is it sports talk or was he was he talking? About I, I assume it is since that was his background. Yeah. But he may be talking about everything. But you, you know, know, we we didn't get into uh, we didn't have a chance to really bring it up either based on the topic. Uh, but I I know that he knows Todd Jones real well because of being in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, oh, and yeah. Uh, Todd has mentioned to me before that he knew him and liked him and thought a lot of him. So. Uh, we didn't even get to, to cover that. I guess we I need Mitch album part two. You know what? You know? you know how we've been talking about doing series and we yeah. do like letters from the audience right. like we did last week. Right. Maybe, maybe we do this. And um, and one of the things that that I took away from this too, when he was talking about using the Holocaust as the background, and like he said, it's not a it's not a book about the Holocaust. It, it is, but it isn't. But that's not. It's about the person and what yeah. they did and and what how it impacted about lying their, and forgiveness yeah, and, and about their life. But when I thought about that. Think about the fact that there's groups right now that try to lie about the Holocaust that it happened at all. <laughs> yeah, today. I, I mean, so I mean, <laughs> that's a lie that is out there because it's so heinous, it's so horrible. Uh, you you can't get past it that it ever happened. So some people that maybe need to you know seek forgiveness, they'll just say, "Well, that's a horrible thing, and it, it's horrible if it would have happened, but it didn't even happen." <laughs> I mean, you know, I put those over there with the flat earthers. Oh gosh, Rick, please. I, well, well, I'm no, just, I'm please. just, I, I mean, I'm just, I've, I've got to eat after I'm this. Sorry, you know? I, I so, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get into the, the flat know. earther thing, but but uh, you know, his, his books, his plays. I mean, he he's he's had Arnold Schwarzenegger has uh, directed one of them. Uh, um, did you did you know he had a song that was uh, actually sung by Warren Zevon with David Letterman on backup vocals? Did you know that? Who Mitch Albom? The, the hockey song. He hit hit somebody. <laughs> Warren Zevon sang I, one of his songs, and Letterman sang I background. Know, Are you, now, see, now I'm wondering about if you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only good as Wikipedia, right? right? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, you got to watch Wikipedia now. Sure, I, know. Yeah, I don't know if but you've I seen some things that's got out guys. there about us. <laughs> no. Oh, really? I no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, and and the other thing that that he, I want does he do you think Mitch still enjoys sports? I mean, he's involved in a lot of stuff. Is that is that a is that a release for him to be able to check out and watch a ball game or is it still work that he enjoys or what do you think? Well, there's no doubt that he made clear in the podcast. He's disgusted with the state of journalism. Right. You know, right. Well, e- most e- real even, journalists are even yeah. in sports. Now I would guess that stuff he does writing is extremely serious, but that's therapeutic. What he's doing in Haiti that, that gives him great joy because he knows what he's doing matters. What he's doing, you know, with the, with the charities there in Detroit, I know that 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 does, you know, that that matters and it's serious and it's it's one of those things that's you say, well, this is something that has eternal uh, value. But you know, all of us need an escape, and I think for him, probably sports is probably still it. Yeah, you know, because he probably now has disconnected himself from right. it so much. Right. I can say that speaking for I, I'm just look. I, I know this may not be popular when you have you know family members tied up in a team and tied up in a sport, I hate to say this, it can really take the joy out of it because there's so much angst that comes with it. Man, I hope they win this game. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen because you you love and you yearn for the people that are on the field or on the sideline coaching. And can I tell you, I probably, I don't participate 
and follow sports like I did when it was the family business. But when I do follow it, I probably enjoy it more than I ever have. You know, because uh, I, because I've just kind of released myself from from the importance of it. Uh, it says here too that he uh, talking about his radio show that uh, he had been honored by the Michigan Association oh, of go. Broadcasters. Here we go. As a top afternoon talk show host, uh, I wonder what that's like. Does he say what he's talking about? Is he, is he doing sports? Is that what it says? Does it say what the topics are? Or is it just no? A talk it's award winning though. Whatever yeah. it is. Rick. Well, let me tell you something. You'll never hear about this show or this podcast, and that's the two words: award winning. Yeah, we uh, you know we don't have to worry about those nasty trophies uh, blocking the view here on the set. Does that bother you? Does that upset you a little bit? No, not at I mean, all. I mean, right. right. Well, what I'm saying is, though, I'm good. Based on the way we do everything, though, since we started dropping hints when we were 14 years into this, right. we're approaching 30. We even named a CD 14 Years Still No Awards. Mm-hmm. Apparently, nobody got the hint. Well, and, I'm uh, going to try to help so. you with that. I'm going to try to help you with that. So, we, no, Rick, we, we, we've really. done a show. <laughs> That was kind of making fun and poking fun at the industry. Yeah, that'll that'll get you a lot of votes. Well, unfortunately, the industry has to almost say they agree with what we're saying about them right. to give us an right. award, and we have to accept the award saying we now have been accepted by the very people Rick, we made fun of. I don't do this show for awards. Okay. Uh, the people the, are the, our award. The, uh, the well, people. I started to say that. We had a call at the end of the show today. Yeah, man. About a guy, and he he was talking about bringing his wife, uh, who had a 10-year battle with cancer, to the doctor, and they enjoyed listening to the show and would leave early and try to make their appointment so they could hear the show. And, you know, that really, seriously, I mean, we joke about the other. That's that's really the award. That's that's what keeps you getting up in the morning. So thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you. And thanks for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.